This is the Southern Hills Church of God, and this is our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you and guides you and builds your faith. God bless and enjoy this message. So in this moment, I've told some of the ones up here, these altars are open the entire service. If you feel led to come pray, come pray. I don't want me speaking to hinder you from hosting him. Yes, we can host him in our seats. We can host him right where we are. But can I tell you, there's something about the altar. There's something about the altar. Where when we make a step towards God, it's like he makes a step right towards us and meets us right where we are. So in the altar today, we're going to host him. I know we have another song that we we're going to sing, but I, I want to hang here. You may have a seat right where you are. If you want to come up and pray, come pray. I've asked Pastor Seth to stay up with me and just play softly. Now, because I want to share something that's been stirring in my spirit. It's been stirring all week long and just confirmed during camp meeting time about what the Lord wants to do. And I know things look a little bit different today and but it's because I think sometimes we rely too much on the instrument or the tool and not the one who created it. We rely so much on us setting the atmosphere that we forget that when we pray and offer praises to God, it's He who sets the atmosphere. Amen. All we need is Jesus. And I want us to get back to that. I want us to get back to that. And, and I, I know I say this quite often that I'm not going to preach long, but we'll see what the Lord does. I was writing last night. I had about four or five pages of notes and I began writing what the Lord was putting on my heart again last night. We're up to 10, so we'll see how we go. But I don't want to just preach on how to host his presence. I want to actually host his presence. Have you ever hosted, had an event at your house? Hosting's difficult sometimes, it's hard. Megan and I will go through the house and we'll clean every room. We'll dust everything. Prep work becomes really time consuming. We got the best food prepared. We'll mop the floors so clean that you could get on your knees and lick the floor. I don't recommend it, but you could. But we get the house just perfect. But then we start looking around and we start saying, hey, uh, Megan, what's, what's left to do? Oh, my gosh, we've not done laundry. Well, we tell the kids just to close the doors to uh, the laundry room. And we tell them that what? The laundry room is off limits. Nobody goes in the laundry room. The laundry's not been done yet. It's not complete. And I began to think about spiritually sometimes how we do that to God. <laughs> I don't want to meddle today. I'm really not trying to. But the Lord spoke to me and I have to say it. How many times do we come into the presence of God and we say, God, I'll open up all of this stuff. You can have it all except this one little room. It's not ready yet. 
I've got to close off the door because I'm embarrassed if you walk in there to see how it looks. I don't want you to quite know what's really going through my mind, what's really going through my heart, what's really going on in my life right now. So I'm going to close this off. The laundry's not done yet, God. Let me just close off that room. <laughs> you see, when we host the presence of God, We come in with the mindset that everything I have and everything that I am is yours. Every room in my mind, every room in my heart has been unlocked. You have access to it. God, clean it out. Do what you got to do. Because in order for me to truly host your presence, I've got to be a willing vessel, clean and purified, so that you can come in me and do what you want to do. You see, there's things that we ask God for, we pray for. There's things going on in our lives that we want God to do for us. We've, we've asked and He's promised and we, we ask for miracles. We ask for these promises for God to fulfill. And we come to the altar and what we do is, and I, I'm, I'm guilty of the same thing. We come and we ask God for the same thing over and over and over. We come and say, God, will you heal this? And God works. And then a week later, God, would you heal it again? And then God does it and we come in, God will you heal it again. It's an ongoing process of God continuing to heal the same sin over and over and over. And I think the problem is, is that we keep praying for band-aids when God wants to just heal. His desire is to just heal you. He doesn't want to give you another band-aid. He wants to take the scar, the wound, and He wants to completely heal it. And I don't know who I'm speaking to, but when you host the presence of God, it's not just a short-term fix, a short-term solution to the long-term problem that we've had our whole life. It is a solution to say, son, to say, daughter, you are healed in the name of Jesus. No more pain, no more hurt, no more grief, no more sorrow, no more doubt, no more anxiety, no more any of that because the band-aid just gets ripped off and we have the same problem over and over and over again. And God God said, rip it off, rip it off because I'm bringing healing to you. Healing comes when we have a level of expectancy that far outweighs the faith that we see in the United States of America. We have the type of faith to say, God, get us through our next day. God, let me just get to lunchtime. God, just let me get to the end of the day and I'll pray again tomorrow. Miracles happen. Breakthrough happens when our level of expectancy matches the faith that God so desires in us, which is the faith the size of a mustard seed, the same faith that Scripture talks about can move mountains. When Oral Roberts was doing a healing ministry, you've all probably read stories, seen videos. Why did he get his healing? He, he got complete healing in his body. Why did he receive healing? Because the level of expectancy was there. I know that my God can. I know that my God will. Why was it that everybody that he prayed for, healing came because there was a level of expectancy that said that if I come and host the presence of God, 
that healing's going to come to my life. There wasn't any doubt that I was going to come in and leave a different person. Um, 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 Bishop Jarvis announced at camp meeting this past week that we're going to have an event here in the Heartland region called Nights of Miracles right in Ada, Oklahoma where Oral Roberts was healed and we're going to go to the same spot and we're going to believe for miracles but he made a comment and he said but we don't have to wait for the fall to see miracles we can see them right now we can see them today we can see them tomorrow it's just it's the level of expectancy that we have to have I have seen people delivered from drugs in an instant, so don't tell me it can't be done. I've seen a back be healed in an instant. I, can, I know it can happen, so don't tell me it can't be done. I've seen marriages restored in an instant. Don't tell me it can't be done. I've seen people come to the altar and host His presence and instantly be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't tell me it can't be done. I've seen it happen. I believe sometimes we don't see the power that God's given us because we've not been very good hosts. And I don't want to get off on a rabbit trail today, but I had the privilege this past week to drive our morning speaker to lunch. And for those that know me know that I'm a huge baseball fan. I love baseball. And he was too, and I've always got a baseball with me. It's usually in the, the cup holder of my truck. It's always there. So that in an instant, if Aiden wants to go out and play catch, I've got a baseball right there. We can go play catch. And he grabbed the baseball, and he looked back at his um, a daughter that was in, the, in the back seat, and he says, Honey, this baseball tells a story. You see, it's dirty because of all the fields that it's played on. It's dirty because of all the hands that it's touched. It's got marks around the seams because of all the bats that it's touched. This baseball tells a story. And then he began in my black truck driving to lunch, began to preach to me a message and said, and our Bibles tell the same one. A Bible that is worn where the leather has been ripped, where pages are missing, where there's highlighted things, things written inside the columns where when you pick up a Bible and you think that if I hold it the wrong way, it's just going to come apart. That Bible tells a story, and it tells a story of one who's hosted my presence. And I began to say, God, I want to host it. I want to host your presence because the Bible tells me, and I want to explain to you today that the Bible says that the same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in you. But see, here in America, we have that mantra that I'll believe it when I see it. But see, that is the exact opposite of what it means to have faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We have the saying, I'll believe it when I see it. And God says, no, believe it, it will happen. That's faith. Active faith is not a faith that only believes what you see. Because how many times in life do we go through situations where what we see is not what God said? 
And it's faith to believe that that promise is coming. We, we've, we've preached about it. We've, ha- we've hammered it. We know that over and over. I don't, I don't have to preach that this morning. Because we know God's promises, the Bible says, are yes and amen. So we know they're true. But that still doesn't take away sometimes in our everyday life the doubt that we have that will God actually do it? Will I see it in my lifetime? And I'm telling you, it's the key, the key, the key is hosting His presence. Is allowing the vessel to be in a place that can, where He can move. So what I wanted you to know today about hosting his presence. What I wanted you to know today about miracles. Do you, do you, about signs, about wonders. I want you to need this. He says, the Lord told me to tell you, I'll meet you at the altar. I'll meet you at the altar. See, the Old Testament mentions the altar several times. And about the, um, a fire in the altar was to burn continuously. It was to never go out. God wanted a flame that never died. And there must have been a reason for it. You see, before giving the law, God appeared to Moses. And it says in Exodus chapter 3, it says, In flames of fire from within a bush, Moses saw that though the bush was on fire and it did not burn up, God chose the appearance of a continuous flame when calling Moses to lead the people out, out of Egypt to a new land. And later, when God was leading the Israelites out of Egypt, he appeared as a cloud by day and a pillar of By night, then came the law. Outside the tabernacle, the burnt offering, how how did you burn the offering? Through what? Through flames. Through a continuous fire. As a matter of fact, here's what the word says. We're going to have it up on the screen. It says the fire must be kept burning on the altar continuously. It must not go out. This is mentioned three times within this chapter, verses 9, 12, and 13. I think it's a message that God's trying to give us to don't let the fire go out. One reason the ongoing fire was so important is that it it was started directly by God. Um, A fire, the word says, came out of the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted for joy and fell face down. The fire on the altar, therefore, served as a constant reminder of the power of God. The fire also represented God's presence. Watch what the Bible says. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire. A jealous God. The Shekinah glory was visible in the fire at the altar of burnt offering. This ongoing presence of God reminded the Israelites that salvation is of the Lord. The atonement is made at the burnt offering, could only be made through Him. In the New Testament, John the Baptist predicted that the Messiah prophesied that He would baptize with the Spirit and with Matthew chapter 3, Luke chapter 3. Fire served as a sign of judgment and to refine. Fire refines the spirit, refines the heart. It takes out everything that's unclean and purifies it so that the Lord can use it. Fire on the altar. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit's coming at the day of Pentecost came in the form of tongues of fire. 
This continuous burning divine flame at the altar, a burnt offering, reminded the Israelites of the reality of God's presence and of their need for God. The sacred and flame endured throughout the years into the desert, likely beyond that, as tabernacle worship continued until the time of King Solomon and the building of the Jewish temple. When the temple was dead, was dead, was um, was um, dedicated, God once again lit the flame on the altar. Second Chronicles chapter seven. When the word of the Lord came to me and said, I'll meet you at the altar. Here's what he was saying. My presence will meet you here. I want to share a dream I had just a week ago yesterday. That was confirmed by three different people just this past week. In my dream, I was here in the sanctuary. And there was water pouring into the room. It was so much water that it began to pour out of this room into the lobby, out of the doors, into the other buildings, and into the streets. I thought I was having a nightmare from the ice storm that um, busted the pipes at our Yukon campus. I'm saying, Lord God, I can't have that happen again. And the Holy Spirit checked me and said, no. The water is my power being poured out. And when I have poured so much that the building cannot contain, it will begin to overflow into the parking lot, into the other buildings, into the streets. I saw it like this. This cup represents you and I. And the word says is that when you come to me and you host my presence, that I'll fill you up. But see, this is what we get sometimes. Because we only ask God for just enough. Lord, just heal the need. Just give me enough for me. And then we give a little. And our cup runs empty. And we can't give what we don't have. So we reach that place where we've given everything. And we're just an empty vessel again. And what the Spirit of the Lord told me is that if you'll come to me and ask for my Spirit and host my presence, the God of more than enough, I'll begin to overflow in you. And when your vessel can't contain it, it'll pour out into your church and it'll pour out into your kids' church and it'll pour out into your parking lot and it'll pour out into your community and before long because you're willing to see the overflow that God's going to begin to send overflow and revival to this church. Why? Because personal revival took place. You see, I brought two pitchers of water up here 
Because sometimes we think that when the pitcher's been poured, oh, I've had plenty. And then God says, no, I'm going to give you more. And, it's the, and it is the continuous pouring that never stops. It won't ever stop. It's the valve that, that won't ever, there is no turn off. It just continues to pour. As long as you're willing to host the presence of God. You see, all he needs is a willing vessel. All he needs is somebody that's willing to be poured into. And if you're at that place in your life where, where you are willing to be poured into, he's saying, I'll pour so much into you that the water will never turn off. That it'll be a continuous outpouring of my spirit so that my power flows to you into generation, into generation, into generation, into generation, so that the fire of God never goes out towards a continuous pouring of my spirit. The original vessel, the original vessel is you and I, because can I tell you, Corporate revival cannot take place until personal revival happens. You must be filled with the Spirit of God in an act of overflow so that it will begin to pour out of you. You see, we ask God so many times, why haven't you met this need? Because I've got so much I want to do through you. Stop waiting on the preacher. Stop waiting on somebody else to send your miracle. What if God's waiting on you to step up to the plate to be full of His Spirit? Maybe, just maybe, the miracle comes through you. The miracle doesn't always have to happen through a church service. You see, the altar of God, these wooden altars, yes, are in our sanctuary building, but the Bible does not limit the altar to a building, but rather you can carry it with you everywhere that you go so that every place you step, so that every building that you walk into, that you're very literally carrying the presence of God. That was my dream. Hold on, because it gets better. It's inter-camp meeting. Pastor Barry Clardy spoke on Wednesday night and shared a dream that he had about water pouring into a church. <laughs> he said, his dream, there was a small church in Oklahoma with the wooden altars. I don't think you're hearing me today. That there was a small church in Oklahoma with wooden altars. And that a portal opened up over the right side of the altar. And water began to continuously pour. Now, you, you, you just have to know the history of people who have dreamed in this church and have had dreams. And without going into detail, there are multiple people that have had the same dream of a door opening up on top of our sanctuary. And the very presence of God entering into this room. 
We've heard about revivals, Marilyn, over the entire world. We have Brownsville Revival. I was there. I've seen it. We have the Azusa Street Revival. We read about all these revivals. We hear about miracles happening all over the world. Why not Oklahoma City, Oklahoma? Why not Southern Hills Church of God? Why not us? It takes a willing vessel, willing to be poured into. So I ask you today, are you willing to host His presence? I know it's five minutes till 12, but I'm, I'm, I'm not going to apologize. I'm not in any hurry. So if you need to go, you can go. But I'm going to share what the Lord of God gave me. I hope that's okay this morning. Wednesday morning, I sent a text message to the staff about service today. And I told them we're going unplugged. Nothing. No lights. No in, just a guitar. Seth, me. That's it. And I said, I'm going to preach a message called hosting his presence. I told my wife on the way to church, I said, I'm going to move the pulpit off the stage. Wednesday night we get to church and he, he preaches a message called hosting his presence. And he takes the pulpit off the stage. I'm like, oh, God, Megan's sitting here poking me. Are you hearing this? <laughs> Bishop Jarvis looked at me, and he, at the end of service, he, he was going through all the different churches in our region about revival breaking out, and he looks at me, and he said, revival's going to break out on I-240. The cars are going to begin to pour out of, the, out of the, the interstate right into the parking lot because revival is going to take place because the portal is opening up and water is going to start to be poured out into the Southern Hill Church of God. So I stopped Bishop Clardy at the end of service. The speaker, he's from the Princeton Pike Church of God in Ohio. And I said, Bishop, do you have a minute? I can just mention something to you. I have no doubt in my mind what you preached on and what you said was a message for the entire region. I believe revival is going to break out. I believe it with all, 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 all my heart. But can I tell you about my dream? <laughs> and he just began to just face changed about how my dream was identical to his dream. About how everything that he said and everything that he did about the small church wooden altars about how everything just lined up just exactly how he had dreamed it. And he looked at me and he said, Pastor, I drove by your church on the way to lunch this morning. And can I tell you, when I drove by your church, I felt something was about to break. But can I tell you this morning? It's not just going to come if we're not willing to host it. Now, you might run me off after this, but it happens in churches all over America. When we host somebody at our house, we're willing to close the doors to the dirty laundry so nobody can see it. But for some reason across America, we walk into churches and we're not afraid to air it out. It's time that we host his presence.
clean house, get the, get the vessel where it's supposed to be cleaned and ready, purified so that God can use it. He's not coming back for a dirty bride. He's coming back for one that is spotless, one that is pure, one that has been prayed up and is ready to receive the bridegroom. Are you ready for the bridegroom of Christ to come in and meet the purified bride and revival break out? Because then, Victor, is when we begin to see the miracles and the promises that he's given us. Then is when we see all those things happening at the altar when we have gotten to a place where we're hosting his presence. So let me really quickly... Five things about the altar that I want you to hear. Number one, he'll teach you at the altar that you'll begin to recognize the all of God. Just because you come to church doesn't mean you come into his presence. Just because you show up on Sundays and Wednesdays and do the church thing doesn't mean you've met God. Just because you listen to a Christian radio doesn't mean you've met God. Just because you wear a Jesus Loves Me t-shirt doesn't mean you've met God. When you come in and host the presence of God and see life change and the fruit thereof, you will know you have recognized the all of God Almighty. Do you know I was looking last night in the King James Version of, 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 of the Bible that the word altar is used 364 times. Now, I know there's 365 days in a year, but don't you think that maybe God's telling us that it's not just a Wednesday, Sunday occurrence, that maybe we need an altar experience every single day? If you want to be like Him, you got to be around Him. If you want to be like Him, you have to know Him. You must recognize the presence of of God after you recognize you will he will cause you to reverence him Psalm 24 the passage that we read at the very beginning who may ascend to the mountain of the Lord who may stand in his holy place will the one who has clean hands and a pure heart that's who the one who has clean hands and pure heart who does not trust in an idol or swear by another God they will receive the blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior such is the generation of those who seek Him who seek your face God of Jacob so lift up your heads you gates lift up you ancient doors that the King of glory may come in who is this King of glory the King the Lord strong and mighty the Lord mighty in battle that's who it is He will cause you to reverence Him See, there's a difference in recognizing and reverencing. You, I, can, I can have a guest and know they're there, but not reverence their presence. And more, it's more than just knowing God is here. We must reverence the very presence of God. We have priorities so mixed up. Our priorities are so mixed up. It used to be, I say back in the old days, right? Where nothing came between you and church. My dad preached and I had a drug problem growing up. He drugged me to Wednesday. He drugged me to Sunday. He, uh, he um, drugged me to prayer. He uh, drugged me to Bible study. He drugged me everywhere. I was always here and nothing, nothing, nothing hindered me coming to church. Not lack of sleep. Not job not appointments, not sports, not anything. Nothing got in the way of getting into the presence of God. 
because I knew that when I came into the doors, I was supposed to come in with praise on my lips and thanksgiving in my heart. Why? Because I was ready to host the presence of God. He'll teach you to recognize. He'll teach you to reverence. Number three, he'll teach you to welcome him. Do you know that you can recognize someone and even reverence that they're there and still not welcome them in? Listen, God, you can go through all these rooms, but the laundry's not done yet, so I need you to stay out of that room. You're not welcome there. He'll teach you that when you come to the altar, nothing is off limits. That everything belongs to Him. And that if we truly, Victor, want to see all that God has for us, we've got to let Him clean house. Spring cleaning, right? All the way through my body, my mind, my spirit, my soul, my heart. Clean me out so that I can host Him. He'll teach you to welcome Him. You know, I there's a verse in the Bible that talks about an and-then type miracle. Because number four that He'll teach you to do at the altar is He'll teach you about miracles. But let me tell you something. Miracles don't happen until you've recognized, reverenced, and welcomed. I've taken my kids to a baseball game before and said, boys... I'm going to go get you popcorn and Coke. And I come back with popcorn, and they say, well, where's the Coke? The Bible says something like this, to not be anxious about anything, right? And then goes on to say, and the peace of God that transcends all understanding, guard your mind in Christ at Jesus. We go to God all the time and say, God, where is my peace of mind? He says, where's your anxious thought? You, you don't get the and then praise, the and then miracle until you give me the first part. I'm not going to give you peace of mind until you give me your anxious heart. You want peace? Fine. Give me your anxiety. It's the and then type miracle. So when you've welcomed him, when you've reverenced him, when you've recognized him, when you've done all these things, he'll show you miracles. Listen, real quick, there's, a, there's lyrics to, to this song. It's a new song, and I love it. And it simply says this, all my life I've been carried by grace. Don't ask me how because I can't explain. It's nothing short of a miracle that I'm here. Now, how many of you have lived that life? <laughs> me included. I've got some blessings I don't deserve. I've got some scars, but that's how you learn. It's nothing short of a miracle. I'm here. I think it's over. It doesn't add up. I know it comes from above. I got a miracles on miracles. A million little miracles. Miracles on miracles. Count your miracles. One, two, three. I can't count them all. Wouldn't that be nice to not be able to count all the miracles that God's done in your life? It goes on to talk about these little miracles. And maybe some of you this morning can, can even relate to this. He said, he said like when you healed my mother. Or when you redeemed my, um, my, um, my, 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 my um, father. When even the death of my brother, you were closer than no other. Oh, you broke my chains. You saved my life. You set me free. You gave me victory. I can't even count them all. You kept my mind. You healed my body. I try. I can't keep up because every day there's a new one. I got breath in my lungs. I got clothes on my back. My mother would say, I got food on my table. How many miracles do you have this morning? Wouldn't that be nice? Some of you this morning have been praying for a miracle. 
And he said, I'll meet you at the altar. When you've recognized him, when you've reverenced him, when you've welcomed him, when he sends miracles, then number five, last but not least, he'll teach you that it's him who gets the glory. It's nothing I did, nothing I said, nothing we sang. It's not a program. It's not a plan. It's not an order of service. It's God. He always gets the glory. church in Oklahoma with wooden altars that a portal will open up and water begin to pour am I the only one or is there somebody else that came in today with an expectancy of God to do something maybe you have a, a miracle that you've been praying for maybe you're even at a place in your life where maybe you thought where's my purpose Maybe you've come in today and maybe you're good. Maybe everything is hunky-dory. And you said, I just want more of you. He said, I'll meet you at the altar.